Darnell Williams at the tailback. They'll hand it off to Williams up the middle. 25. Cuts it inside. Perfect. 35, 40. There goes Cadillac. To the 50. To the 40. To the 30. To the 20. To the 15. 10. Go crazy, Cadillac. Go crazy. Touchdown. Now they can play a little safer. But they're not going to. Nix is back. Throws it downfield. Caught. Touchdown, Williams. A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper. He'll call to the place. He'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is. The kick is up. The kick is good. Auburn wins. 22-19. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the Red Cup Auburn podcast. My name is Noble. And as always, I'm joined here with my co-host, Wheeler. It's been a couple days since Auburn's week one victory against the Kentucky Wildcats, and in a couple days we will be taking on Georgia and the Deep South's oldest rivalry. So today we're kind of going to break down how the Auburn-Kentucky game went and kind of give you guys a preview of how Georgia's looking, how we're looking for this week. Um, you know, in, in some weeks we're gonna, we might change it up a little bit and have two podcasts in a week, one you know, right after the game, kind of breaking it down the next one later in the week, kind of previewing the opponent. But we'll figure all that out. But today we're going to talk about the teams. And let's start with the Kentucky game. Wheeler, what were your initial thoughts um, on Auburn in week one? I think that Auburn played well. Uh, I It was pretty close to my score prediction because, you know, as usual, I'm correct on this podcast. Um, if people want to know what's happening, they should really just listen to what I'm saying. Noble – don't try and refute this fact. That's why I won all of the weeks in trivia when we were doing trivia. Anyway, closer to my it was score. two points off. I well, predicted 27-13. It was 29-13. I did, a pretty, I did a pretty good job of predicting the score now. No, well, the people know. The people know it's all me. <laughs> anyway, uh, it was pretty much what we said. You know, going back and listening to the pod from last week, uh, it was pretty equal distribution of the carries from the running backs. Um, good play on the defense. The defense was the most interesting thing to me. Um, watching the game in real time, I felt like the defense was not playing well at all. Uh, I felt like they were getting gashed. I felt like Kentucky – it felt like at halftime, um, and we're going to get to the play at the end of the half and everything, but it felt like at halftime Auburn had, like, given up 42 points. And mm-hmm. in reality, Auburn had given up seven points. So it was just a really weird feeling thing. Um, I think a lot of us forgot, and this week I've been watching some old games from last year. We rem- we got used to at the end of the year, uh, you know, Auburn's team was was holding people from scoring points, but they were not especially dominant, you know, keeping people from getting yards. Even in the LSU game that everybody remembers Auburn playing so well in, LSU was getting to the red zone all the time and yeah. Auburn was just stopping him in the red zone. And that's kind of Kevin Steele's MO for his defense is Ben don't break. Uh, and we saw that a lot this week. So I thought that was interesting. Um, I thought the DBs and linebackers really balled out. I thought they played super well. Um, and the D line, I think, was just trying to get used to, you know, who the guys were. Uh, having Big Cat out in the first half and being limited in the second half, I think that hurt him a little bit because um, that's a senior leader who kind of knows his position and gets people fired up. Uh, so missing him was a big problem. But other than that, uh, overall, I was impressed with the defense. 
Um, and then just 10,000 foot view of the offense. Um, I thought they played well. Uh, offensive line was better than I thought they would be. The pass protection was a lot better than I thought it would be. The run blocking, I'm going to withhold judgment on that. Uh, the reason for that is we didn't run the ball very much. I think we ran the ball like, what, 20 times? The offense didn't get very many plays. Um, it was a lot of uh, a lot of defense. Kentucky was really holding the ball. I think that was their game plan. That's not something that I saw coming. I didn't see Kentucky wanting to hold the ball going into the game, but they definitely did. That was their game plan was to keep the Auburn offense off the field. You could definitely tell that Gus was not calling the plays or had not been installing his offense because the passing concepts and everything looked like totally different than they have in years past, but I really liked them. Uh, what's your thoughts on week one, Nobes? Uh, I'm going to start with Auburn. I thoroughly I, – I really thought the passing offense looked better than as in years. I mean, I really like – I mean, the, the concepts looked good. Receivers were getting open. Bo was dropping dimes. A bunch of people – I was surprised when I kind of looked on Twitter after the game and people were saying, oh, his mechanics are still off. He still throws off his back foot. But, look, if the guy, like – even if the guy's mechanics aren't totally sound, if he's making these throws, well, you know, he's making them. You know, Gus Malzahn said in a press conference that, you know, if he throws the right in the breadbasket for his receiver right over two DB's heads, well, I'm going to tell him good job because that's a great throw. I thought Bo played really well. Um, the running backs didn't impress me too much. Honestly, we had 21 total design runs by running backs and one uh, with Eli Stove, and then Bo Nix had five carries. Um, I never like it when someone with 34 yards is your leading rusher, personally. That's not a not a great thing for me. Uh, Bo Nix had five carries for 34 yards. He was the leading rusher. Shivers had six carries for 29. DJ had eight for 21. Tank had six for 15. And then Eli had one for seven. So I, I think that, you know, some of those some of those runs were because of the offensive line not making a hole. Some of them were because the running back missed the hole, whatever. Uh-huh. I think the running game needs to improve a little bit. But I, I mean I think, you know, that's a that's a work in progress for the team. But in my opinion, the running game definitely needs to take a leg up if we want this offense to be as good as it can be. But the run, I mean, we had some running backs make some, make some really good plays. You know, Sean Shivers had that one play on, I believe it was a third and 10, where he had an 11 yard run, uh, got a big first down that kept the drive alive. And I believe we scored on that drive. Uh, so, yeah, I think the offense, looked, the offense looked good, though. That was a thing. Because even in the games where we would score some points last year, the offense never really looked like it was clicking on all cylinders, never really looked like it was doing what it was supposed to be doing. It seemed like it was, you know, piecing a drive together, and then the next drive you'd go three and out, and it was back to the drawing board. I feel like in week one the, the offense kind of looked pretty solid. Uh, Talking about the defense, though, the defense, the the run defense had me a little worried. I feel like the defensive line kind of got kind of got pushed off a little in the first, especially in the first half. Uh, but I mean, like you said, it was Ben don't break only allowed thirteen points. I mean, you know, they did their job uh, at the end. But I do think Kentucky's one of the best offensive lines they're going to be playing all year. So I mean, if you can if you can hold your own against that offensive line, you can you can hold your own against some some good teams. Um, 
but yeah, that was kind of my take. Uh, and we, I know that you said that you wanted to talk a little bit about the, the, the sequence of events that happened right before halftime. So do you want to go ahead and get into that? So I think, and what I'm about to say is just what I think is the truth. And I don't think a lot of people are going to agree with me just based off of looking at Auburn Twitter, looking at Auburn Instagram. A lot of people are not going to agree with this. I personally think that Kentucky scored on the first down play. I uh, do too, personally. I, I don't yeah. think his knee was down. I don't think that the refs thought his knee was down, which is why they spotted the ball at the you know half-inch yard line. And I don't think he got forward progress stopped. I think he scored a touchdown. So that being said, I, Auburn lucked out with the referees that that happened. Um, on the interception return, again – I I hate the targeting rule. I think it's ridiculous um, the way that it's set up now. I think that there should be – if you're going to have targeting, which, I mean, football's never going to go away from having targeting, and all these people that are calling for us to go back to the old football that, you know, targeting wasn't a thing. Like, yeah, like I wish that too, but that's just not going to happen. Like that, that's not the way football is going to go. Targeting is here to stay. But I do wish that there were levels of targeting where, I mean, there's things like Junior Rose Green's hit against Georgia in 2004 before targeting where he literally knocked the guy out cold. I mean, he was headhunting. He led with the crown of the helmet. He was trying to knock the guy out cold. That kind of targeting should be an ejection targeting. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, makes me think of the interview when he said when he hit that man, he wanted to run through him and leave his soul on the ground, something like that. I mean, it was just like, that's the kind of hit where you're like, this guy wanted to kill that man. Yeah, like if you're trying to hit somebody to kill them, that's targeting that should probably be ejected. If you are literally making a block on someone, first of all, the guy saw him. So uh, mm-hmm. that's I have difficulty with the calling that player defenseless, um, but also I, I mean it is tough because how how do you set up a rule where you say oh well he saw him or oh well he didn't see him you know so that's hard to enforce mm-hmm. but I do wish that targeting had a thing of this is targeting this is a fifteen yard penalty but no you're not ejected for your crackback block that I mean was no worse you probably have worse hits going defensive tackles and O-line. Men on the play before, on the goal line stand, you know? Yeah. Very frustrating. But according to the letter of the law, I do think – I mean, it was a crackback block, and he shouldn't have done it. Uh, It's a learning opportunity. I don't think it'll happen again this season. I think that they'll know to kind of just do almost a basketball pick. And as soft and as weak as that is, you know, compared to how football is normally played, that's just what you have to do. And doing a basketball pick there is going to fix the problem, you know? That's the thing is the, the crackback blocks, people that are so far away from the play that they're able to get hit on a crackback like that, like if you just stand in front of them, they're not going to go make the play, you know? So, I don't know. That, that was my thought, as unpopular of an opinion as it might be. I don't think that Auburn should have scored a touchdown on the pick six after further review. Um and I also, with the targeting rule, I think it is a little bit ridiculous that if a referee is standing right there and he doesn't throw the flag, that you can review it and put a flag on the ground. I, I, I think that's messed up. Yeah, I, I don't know if I, I don't 
how much I agree with that, that you can review a play when you weren't looking for targeting. So like if it's one thing if it's like a guy got laid out and you're like, okay, that might be targeting, we're going to look at it. But if you're like – because on that play, they were not looking for targeting. They were looking to see if he stepped out of bounds because after a pick – one, all scoring plays are reviewed. And two, they knew that the first down call was going to be controversial when they when they called it okay and then he throws a pick six that would have changed the game especially if it counts okay I personally think the play did change the game but if they give Auburn the seven points it changes the game they're getting all these emails about it throughout the week it's a big deal so they were making sure they're like all right we got to find something so they're going to see maybe stepped out of bounds at around the 20 yard line then they see oh wait the Auburn defensive end that's targeting we can bring them back and then they'll go into halftime whatever so, on one hand, I do agree with you that, you know, you should have set the basketball pick because that's how football is now. But the thing that hurts me is, like, I, I feel like the crackback block, they, they banned it because of people that would just go and just look for something. When the play was gone, you knew he was going to score, they would just turn around, look for somebody to just light up. And it was away from the play, whatever. It was dangerous. I get that, whatever. But the thing that I don't like about the Derek Hall call is that it, it – it was relevant, you know, like it was a block that needed to happen. He, you know, that, that play, you know, there's a good chance that Roger McCreary gets tackled because those two guys can get to him, but because he made the great block, they couldn't. So I, I don't really know how I feel about all that kind of stuff with, you know, the fact that you can just, that you can just take that out. I don't, I don't know how I feel about that, but with how football is now, they do, they got to teach them, you know, you can't, you can't just, destroy people and I think it was against Georgia last season so, that Sal Canella made a play where he got called for a crackback block and it was a 15 yard penalty and it called I don't think it called back a touchdown but I do think it called back a big game a good play yeah yeah I do remember that I don't I, don't, I personally don't think that the crackback block should be illegal honestly I mean you know coaches always tell you keep your head on the swivel you know Make sure that nobody's coming to knock you off your rocker. But that's just my opinion. It certainly shouldn't be an ejection. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just how football is now. But, so, yeah. I mean, that was kind of how the Kentucky game. And then after – I mean, after that call, Auburn came out on fire, played really good. Seth Williams took over. What a monster. Yeah, I mean, he's he's unreal, man. He's unreal. I uh, – I did not expect Seth Williams to – he was really good last year, and I did not expect him to take another giant leap forward, but I really think he has taken a giant leap. And I think he is one of the best receivers that I've seen play at Auburn since I've been alive, if not – I agree. Nonetheless. I mean, I think, I think talent-wise, he is definitely one of the best to ever play. I don't know if he'll have the stats to show it, but talent-wise, he is definitely one of the best to ever come through here. Um, but yeah, and I think it'll be interesting. Uh, Sammy Coates, and I'm like, no, he's, he's better than better Sammy than Coates. Sammy Coates, he is definitely better than Sammy Coates. I he mean, is, I love Sammy, but Seth is better. He and Sammy had an NFL career for a few years. Um, yeah, but I, I think he's almost like Duke and Sammy put together. Like he has the speed of Sammy, but he has the hands of Duke. I mean, he's an absolute monster. Both of his touchdown catches were just freak athlete plays i mean you can't say enough the yeah. guy's just an absolute freak i agree I, i'm really excited to see what he does this week because you know this is going to be i mean this is this will be one of the best defenses we play you know 
Georgia's going to have – they've got good DBs, ball hawks, you know. They're going to be – and they're going to be keying on them. I mean, they saw what he did week one. They're like, we're not going to let number 18 beat us. So, he's going to have his – he's going to have his hands full. And what I'll be interested to see is last week he had a bunch of plays where he mossed people and just went over them. The Georgia DBs, though, are known for their length. Um, so, their starting DBs are Eric Stokes. Um, he's 6'1", 190. Um, and then you have DJ Daniel, who's 6'1", 185. Then you have Tyson Campbell, who's a safety. He's 6'2", 185. They don't have any guys that are in their starting rotation that are under 6'1". So that'll be interesting to see because those Kentucky defenders were not 6'1", 6'2". Um, I, think the, I think, yeah, I think number one, I, I'm blanking on his name right now, but I, I want to say he was 5'11", or 6 foot. And, I mean, he, and he was their best DB. I mean – he was their best guy, uh, but so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how how Seth will how Seth will do, and I'll be interested to see like how much we can get other guys involved, you know, because I feel like we've never really, it's been a while since we've been able to do that, you know, like I feel like even you know last year a lot of the time, oh we were throwing it to Seth and he was just going to be better than everybody, you know, Eli had a decent game, uh, he had that. He had four catches for touchdown. 55 yards. I mean, that's pretty good. He had the 35-yard touchdown catch. Yeah, I mean, that's not – yeah, that's that's good. Uh, you know, Anthony had three catches for 40 yards. Uh, one thing, the the most – the be, one of the, the plays that made me the happiest uh, on Saturday was a screen pass to Anthony Schwartz when he made a quick move and made the DB miss. I was – I've never seen that in my – in my entire life of watching Anthony Schwartz play at Auburn, I've never seen that man make somebody miss. So I was excited about that. If he can do that consistently, he's going to be even more of a weapon. Um, I was really excited about Xavion Capers, you know, coming in as a freshman, getting some time. He had one catch for 17 yards, did good blocking. I was, I was excited about him. Uh, I was, he, you know, Shedrick Jackson was hurt. He came in, filled that role, and did a really good job. Yeah, I was very impressed with the wide receivers. Um, I mean, I thought they ran good routes. I thought they all had something good that they showed. And I think that their role is going to be even more expanded this week because Auburn's going to have to run some unique looks against this Georgia defense because Kentucky, I feel like the lines, Kentucky might have had an advantage, but at the skill positions, Auburn had a definite athletic advantage. And this week we're going to have to see a little bit more of a schematic advantage, I think, um, in order to get those players in open space because they're not just going to leave them open. But at the same time, I mean, I see them – I really see them trying to double-team Seth Williams. uh, And somebody else is going to have to step up because they're going to try and give safety help to Seth because that's Kirby's thing. Uh, He did it with Cam in 2010. He tried to do it with Trey Mason in 2013 when he was at Alabama. He picks mm-hmm. your best player, and he goes, this guy is not going to beat me this week. Or he's going to – you know, he tries to say that. Yeah. And he says somebody else is going to have to beat me. Um, and in the Iron Bowl, I mean, you saw that on that last drive. I mean, they ran a fake play action and threw it to Sammy Coates. Somebody else was able to beat him, but he did – I mean, he put all of his eggs in that Trey Mason basket. Yeah. And with Cam, he never really got going uh, with his legs in that 2010 Iron Bowl. All he could really do was sit back and throw. So he's going to exploit your strength and he's going to, you know, make you do something. So whether that means 
he says, you know, Bo Nix is not going to be able to throw against us uh, to Seth Williams or if throw against us at all. And they're going to sit back and play soft zone. And he's going to see if that Auburn offensive line can block, which that's what I foresee happening because the Auburn offensive line did not show anything last week that said we're a dominant force. that's going to be able to, you know, move guys out of the way. Honestly, Kentucky was bringing the heat with four dudes. Like they weren't even bringing blitzes to get to Bo Nix. And so that worries me a little bit about this week of having a solid secondary that's not giving up, you know, the easy pass like Kentucky was, but also being able to bring heat with four, that's not going to work this week. They're going to have to get their pass protection and run fits a little bit better. Yeah. Well, I think they will. I mean, you know, a lot of those guys, that was their first star ever in college. So, I mean, I think that they'll, they'll get it together. I, I think Big Nail's a good coach. I think he'll get them, get them ready for this week. Um, but, you know, kind of moving on, you know, to the Georgia side, uh, right now, they've got a little bit of a, of a QB battle going on. We don't really know who's going to start. Uh, Stetson Bennett and Dewan Mathis have been getting the first team reps this week. Uh, JT Daniels was medically cleared this week. A lot of people are thinking he's going to get some time in. We don't really know. Uh, for those who don't know, Dewan Mathis got the start against Arkansas in week one. He went 8 of 17, 55 yards, and an interception. He got benched for Stetson Bennett, who was a three-star coming out of high school. Bennett went 20 of 29, 211 yards for two touchdowns. Uh, and when, when Bennett came in, that's when Arkansas kind of pulled away, but, or uh, when Georgia pulled away. Uh, but Georgia also had a – I mean, they had a pretty solid running game. They had a total of 42 carries for 121 yards. Uh, so they had some – they had, they had some good good help on the ground. So, I don't really know how much uh, Stetson Bennett will be. I, I don't really know how good he is, personally. I didn't really watch that Arkansas game too much. But from what I've seen of him and his highlights, he seems more of a game manager type guy, a kind of guy that can, you know, he's going he's gonna to keep the ball. He's not going to turn it over too much. He's going to throw the short passes. But I think that our game plan this week is going to be to stop the run and say, hey, your inexperienced quarterback is going to have to beat us in the air. So that's what I'm thinking. Uh, Weather, what are your thoughts about the Bulldogs this week? Yeah, it's been really strange. So we've been reading a lot on Georgia fan pages um, and columns and stuff. And all of the reports that are coming out are talking about how Stetson Bennett's been getting the majority of the first team reps. And Dewan Mathis has kind of been the other guy getting the first team reps. And it's like no one has even mentioned JT Daniels. Um, it's like JT Daniels was medically cleared to play first team reps were split between Dewan Mathis and uh, Stetson Bennett so it's been really strange to see Um, I'm intrigued to see if JT even gets to play because we don't know how much JT was even able to practice throughout the offseason I mean Mm -hmm. you think about it if this guy he tore his ACL last season at the beginning of the season uh, if he does that and hasn't practiced through Corona and all this stuff and is, you know, done like some seven on seven work, but hasn't been working 11 v 11 with a new offense. I mean, that's going to be tough to get thrown in because you're going to have to look at your own offense and know what's going on. Not to mention Auburn's going to throw some really confusing looks your yeah. way. If they know a freshman quarterback is coming in. Um, so I project that Stetson will get the start. Um, he's a junior. He knows the system. Uh, he's, he knows defenses a little bit better. I just don't see putting a guy in that's supposed to be more of a pocket passer against an Auburn defense when you haven't played that much. I don't think it works out very well for him. 
Uh, I think that eventually JT will be the starter, but I would expect Auburn to play against Stetson Bennett this week. Um, For Auburn fans, I think Stetson could most easily be compared to Sean White, who played for Mm -hmm. Auburn a couple years ago. Um, A lot of heart. Uh, The guy grew up in Georgia. He always wanted to play for Georgia. Um, And he's going to leave it all out there. You know, he's going to run. He's not going to slide short of the first down. He's not concerned about an NFL career. He's just trying to get the win for the Bulldogs. Mm -hmm. So, dangerous on that side of the little bit of carelessness. But also, talent-wise, he's just not – I mean, he's not as good as Jake Fromm was last year. He's not as good as Jacob Eason or Justin Fields or really any of the quarterbacks that have been rolling through Georgia recently. So, I think this is a good opportunity for an Auburn defense – to maybe capitalize on a less athletic guy um, and hopefully rattle him a little bit because he came in, didn't play great in the first half when he first replaced Dewan Mathis. Most of his incompletions were in the first half. Mm-hmm. But in the second half, I mean, Arkansas was just gassed. And if you watch some of Stetson's highlights, I mean, the throws he's making, he's throwing to a guy that's just like 10 yards wide open. When you've yeah. got George Pickens running against an exhausted Arkansas DB who's probably a one or two star, you know, I mean, it, it's a lot easier than it is at the beginning of the game when that guy's a little more hyped up. So I'm, I'm excited. I think that the Auburn defense is going to be able to stand tall against uh, Stetson. Uh, and they're running through I mean, you said it was a pretty good game. I, I don't think that's a very good game. If you're running the rock 42 times for 100 and what? 30 how many yards did you say it was it was was around 130 yeah yeah I mean that's that's not great um let's see yeah as a team they ran the ball 42 times for 120 yards that is 2.9 yards per carry and one touchdown yeah you also gotta think you also got to think, uh, what's his name? I think they call, they call him Zeus, the starting running back. I mean, he had 72 yards, around 13 carries. So, the starter played good. They had one guy that had, I think, negative 14 rushing yards. So, that kind of brought the brought the numbers down a little bit. I mean, I think that the thing is with, with Georgia that they just – they need a running game, you know, instead of what we usually see. You know, we usually see Georgia, they lean on the running game and they throw it if they have to. With some of these games, they just need the running game to be there so that the quarterback can throw the ball. You know, they have to have an existent running game. And, you know, he, uh, I think, yeah, his name is Amir White. They call him Zeus. You know, he, is, he was a five-star coming out of high school. He's a sophomore. I mean, he's, he's a very talented running back. I mean, if you, if you just – I mean, you got you to gotta worry about what he's going to be doing. So, uh, I definitely think that Auburn's going to have to key in on, on uh, Zamir White for this week for sure. And just be prepared. Uh, they don't throw the ball super downfield a lot. Like, this is not a deep to intermediate passing game. This is slant routes and screens all day long. Death by a thousand cuts, small ball. Um, so, that'll be very interesting to see. That'll bring a lot of linebackers into coverage. I think this week we'll get a better idea of how K.J. Britt to see if he's improved his coverage skills from last year because um, he struggled in that a little bit. And Owen uh, Papo, he got a little bit better as the season went on last year. I'm excited to see his coverage skills too. Um, I think the linebackers are probably the most concerning part to me in coverage. I think Roger McCreary showed that he's going to be locked down this year. Um, and Jalen Simpson really showed that he can step up and be a major contributor as yeah, well. Yeah, he played really well. So the secondary doesn't bother me as much as the linebackers covering backs that are slipping out for little slants, wheels, 
uh, mm-hmm. screens that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, personally, I trust Owen Papo more than the other. I mean, I trust Owen Papo and Jacoby McClain more because they have that speed. Uh, you know, Owen is just a freak athlete. You know, I trust – you know, he can he can get the coverage. But K.J. Britt does concern me a little bit. You know, I mean, if, if it's a goal line situation, one yard to go, there's nobody I'd want more than K.J. filling that hole. But, you know, if you've got a running back running wild on a wheel route, I would I would want some of the other linebackers going to cover that over, over K.J. But one thing that's interesting to me, they had 12 different players catch a pass last week. I mean, I, I believe Auburn had four. So I think that that's something that's that's a little difference that you've got. You know, Georgia likes to spread the love around. Uh, and part of that is because, you know, if you have a quarterback that hasn't been taking the first team reps as much, he kind of throws it to everybody because he doesn't he hasn't really identified his guy yet, you know. So like Dewan Mathis, his guy, you know, Dewan Mathis' guy and uh, Jake Fromm's guy last year was Pickens. They're like, well, He's our best guy. We're going to get it to him. Bo's guys, Williams. Bennett doesn't really have that guy yet because he hadn't really been with the starters as much. He doesn't have his favorite target. So he's been kind of sharing the love. So all the DBs kind of got to step up. Um, but I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic because, you know, last year, I mean, I think we held Pickens to, what, 11 yards? I yeah. mean, I mean, I think that – I mean, our DBs have, pick, have had Pickens' number last year. I think they'll be motivated this year. I don't think anybody on that defense likes George Pickens. I hope that they are talking about him as much as we talk about him and how much we do not like that man. Uh, but, yeah, I think that, you know, if we can if we can stop Pickens, if we can stop Zamir White, if we can stop Kyrus Jackson, you know, I think – I think that their that their offense will have a difficult time moving the ball on, on our defense for sure. Yeah, I agree. And then before we go, uh, I just want to quickly mention, I think the punting situation is one of the most intriguing things I've ever seen. Um, this reminds me of 2016 when we ran the five quarterback system with Chandler Cox doing the plie in the background. We're now running the same thing, but with punters. Um, you never know who's going to go out there. Uh, it seems to me that it's kind of situational as if you need a big, deep punt, you know, we're way backed up. Oscar Chapman's the guy. Um, he doesn't seem to get a ton of hang time on his punts, but he gets, you know, pretty good distance on them. Mm-hmm. Um, Aiden Marshall gets more hang time uh, to prevent a return. And then Bo Nix, um, who would have ever thought that Bo Nix would be one of our main punters? But, I mean, surprisingly well. I mean, average – let's see, he averaged 38 yards a punt. Aiden Marshall averaged 42. Oscar Chapman averaged 43. So, I mean, he was right there. I mean, he was four yards shorter. He had two punts. Aiden had one. Oscar had two. Um, So, yeah, I mean, very interesting to see if teams start lining up – what teams start doing when Auburn does the little bonex punt to see what teams are – are they going to start covering uh, gunners? Are they going to start putting a returner back there? You know, I think that that's going to be the most intriguing thing to see what coaches come up with to kind of combat the Bonex punt. Because right now, I mean, he's pinning them inside the 10, five yard line um, yeah. much more efficiently because there's no chance of a return like when you tried out Aiden or uh, Oscar. Yeah, I definitely agree. You know, I think Bo did a good job punting on, on Saturday. I think that. Uh, We'll probably see more of that on this Saturday, uh, but yeah, I'm I'm interested to see how that will turn out. But yeah, I'm just I'm I'm really just interested to see how we 
how we play this week. I think that this week will kind of tell us how good we are. You know, if we can go into Athens, put up some points on that defense, stop their offense, I think it'll, I think it'll be telling of how, how our season will turn out. I agree. Are you ready for score predictions? Let's do it, man. All right, what you got, man? Uh, so right now, I'm I'm thinking uh, somewhat along the line to what I had last week. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm worried about how our defense is going to do. I really am. I, I'm I, I'm not totally sold on the defense yet. But right now, I'm going to make the prediction. I think Auburn wins in a close one. I think we're going to win 24 to 21. Wow, interesting. Um, so for those that don't know, line opened at seven and a half. For Georgia, that has slipped down to six and a half. Um, a lot of money coming in on Auburn. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily expert money. I feel like that might be more layman money uh, seeing that, you know, Georgia struggled against Arkansas. Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say Auburn 27, Georgia 10. Oh, I'd be very happy if that happens. Yep, I'm feeling really good. I think that this is going to be a really good week. I think it's going to be a coming out party for this Auburn team. So I'm really excited for this weekend. Game day is going to be in town. Um, and I'm ready to see Auburn win in Athens for the first time since 2005. Mm-hmm. I am too. For uh, for the baseball fans out there, you know, the Braves, Braves got a, a playoff win. I'm not a big MLB guy. But the, the last time the Braves got uh, a win in the playoffs and like won a playoff series was 2000. Uh, and that year, Auburn went into Athens and won by three points. So maybe there, there might be a, a link there. You know, the Tigers play well. Yeah. I mean, Auburn has definitely got to help sure. the Atlanta sports fans out because the Falcons have sucked and now the Braves have sucked. So let's go. Let's go beat Georgia. All right. Well, we will see you guys next week in War Eagle.